and welcome. Welcome to worship on Sunday the 21st of March. A whole year now has passed, 52 of these weekly online reflections and it's lovely to welcome you here each week into this time and into this space where we meet together with God, where we bring God our thanksgiving and our praises, where we ask for forgiveness for the things that we do and where we hear God's whisper of love to us and watch God transform our insight so that when we leave this space we go out into the world with that good news of transformation. So let's come into this space. Let's cast aside the things which would keep us from meeting with God. Let's, although we are in the seat that we've been in for the past few hours, let's just let the cares of this place, the place where we are, let them float away and let us enter into God's presence. Let's come together in prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Father, we come into this time, into this space, into this moment, drawn here by you, by the call of you saying our name, whispering it in our ear, and so we come. Obediently, we come. Maybe we don't know why we've come, but we come, drawn here by the sound of love. And as we come, may we find rest for our weary souls. May the cares of this world be taken from our shoulders. And may we find the peace which we seek as we rest beside the quiet waters with which you restore us. Father, thank you for all that you give us. Thank you for the beauty of the world around us just bursting forth with spring, with the bird song, of the birds returning from warmer places where they've spent the winter, for the, the flowers and the buds just bursting out in the ground and in the trees around us. Thank you for the bees which are starting to buzz and begin their, their summer business. Thank you for the different animals that we see around us, all of which just encourage us with the good news in a sense that the world just keeps on turning, that you are in control, Lord, because you are God of everything, heaven and earth. You are the one who put the stars in space. You are the one who carved the mountains. You are the one who makes the waters flow. And it's you, Lord, who keeps the world turning, even when it seems as though our world has stopped. And so for that, we bring you our praise. We bring you our thanksgiving. But Lord, you didn't just stop in the moment of creation. You were present even in flesh with us. And so we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came so that we might know the love that you have for us. A love that lays down its life for us. Such love. And so Lord, we thank you. And in response to that love, we turn and we confess the things that we do 
that we know distance ourselves from that love and bring, and bring damage to the relationships that we have with those that we love and also with ourselves and with you. And so Lord, in the silence, we call to mind the things that we've done this week, which have caused ourselves or others harm. For the times when we've put us before others, for the times when we've put our will before yours, for the times when we have not thought but acted with complete disregard. We say sorry, Lord. And as we say sorry, we know your forgiveness. That forgiveness that was poured out once for all and for every time that we do wrong. Lord, may that forgiveness pour over us. May it fill us up. May it make us sing of good news and with joy. For you, Lord, have already forgiven us. And so we are free, free from the guilt, free from our sin, free in you, through Jesus. May that love, Lord, may that forgiveness, may that mercy and compassion, which is new every morning as the sunrise, may that renew us, may it soften our hearts and may we respond with love and with mercy and with compassion and with forgiveness to others. Help us to forgive those who have done wrong to us or those that we love. Strengthen us that we might show mercy in your world and enable us to dance your dance, Lord, and to lay down our lives for others in love. In Jesus' name, amen. This week we are thinking again about love. We're following on with that theme that we've been looking at. And so over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about it. And we've heard that God is love. We've thought about our response to God's love with our obedience and our devotion. And we've thought about how we can use our minds with, um, in love, what it means to love with our minds. But we also need to use the rest of us too. And so when that love that we experience from God literally moves us to act, that's what we're going to think about this morning. What does it mean to actually use our strength um, to love? What does it mean to use all of our being to love? What does love actually look like in this world that we live in today? So first this morning, just to get our, our brains working, I want you to think of a time when you've put someone else's well-being before your own, when you've put someone else's needs before your own. It's probably something that many of us will do every day. How did it feel? How does it feel? Is it hard? Okay, so why not share that with someone that you're watching this with? Or if you're on your own, then feel free, please, to share it in the comments below the video. But remember, the comments are public. So think of a time when you have put someone else's feelings or needs before your own. And how did it feel? Was it difficult or was it easy? Go and have a chat and a think.
experiencing the immensity of God's love towards us, we are moved to show that mercy and that love to others. And loving always means serving. A couple of weeks ago, we thought about love expressing itself as obedience. Obedience hears and follows, but service, that's what we're thinking about today, service sees and acts. Love expressed through service sees need and moves closer with the purpose of bringing change. But before we even begin to serve, we need to work at reducing the distance between us. Let's hear today's reading. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. That's Luke 10, starting at verse 25. A lawyer once came forward to test him by asking, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? He replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. That is the right answer, said Jesus. Do that and you will have life. Wanting to justify his question, he asked, But who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, A man was on his way from Jerusalem down to Jericho when he was set upon by robbers who stripped and beat him and went off leaving him half dead. It so happened that a priest was going down the same road and when he saw him he went past on the other side. So too a Levite came to the place and when he saw him he went past on the other side. But a Samaritan who was going that way came upon him and when he saw him he was moved to pity. He went up and bandaged his wounds bathing them with oil and wine. Then he lifted him on to his own beast, brought him to an inn and looked after him. Next day he produced two silver pieces and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Look after him, and if you spend more I will repay you on my way back. Which of these three do you think was neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He answered, The one who showed him kindness. Jesus said to him, Go and do as he did. Amen, and thanks be to God for this reading from his holy word. A man asks Jesus a question. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus puts the question back onto the man who answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbour as yourself, the man says. Jesus tells him he's correct. And the man says, but teacher, who is my neighbour? In other words, but teacher, who is it that I need to love? Who is it that we need to love? I wonder if it's less about who it is that the man is working out he needs to get close to and is more about whether or not there are some that it's okay to keep at a distance. Who is it that the man doesn't need to worry about loving? Because if we think about it, All of us have people that we really don't want to love, don't we? What does Jesus say? Well, Jesus tells a story. And what he does is he says, um, the Greek word that Jesus uses here for neighbour isn't the word that we might expect. So geotin, which um, we might expect Jesus to use, um, is a shared nationality. So that sense of someone with whom we have a shared ethnicity or or we share a nationality with. 
um, nor is it Herioikis, which is what we tend to think of as neighbours, the people literally who live next door to me or across the road from me or just along the street. That's what we tend to think of as neighbours and that word in Greek is Perioikios. That's not the word that Jesus uses either. Rather, it's plesion, which means near. So it's the people who are near us that Jesus tells us are our neighbours. So working out who our neighbour is then isn't about working out who we share a nationality with. It's not about loving those who share our ethnicity or who live in the same street as me. Rather, instead, our neighbours, those that we're to love, are those that we are near to, that we are close to. Those then, anyone who crosses our path. It's a matter of physical distance which um, exists between us. And so then, no one is exempt, is there? There's no category of person whom if they walked across our path, Jesus says we cannot love. We're to love everyone. You can always hear the cogs turning in the man's head. <laughs> Maybe it's the same as what's turning in our head when we hear it. Love everyone? What Everybody? You can't possibly mean that, Jesus. Surely there are some people that it's okay for me not to love. After all, our world is full of people, all sorts of networks and individuals who fall into all kinds of categories. Friends, family, close friends, close family, neighbours, as in shared street contexts, peers, associates, service providers, those that we commute backwards and forwards to work with in the days before um, coronavirus, um, the people that we're friends with online, social networks, enemies. It isn't just people I know and don't know then that Jesus is telling us to love. It's all these many layers of people in between because our world is full of varying degrees of distance. But Jesus takes all of these in that word neighbour, all of those divisions and boxes them together and he calls everybody neighbour. And we've got to love them all. We're, no one is exempt. We're not allowed not to love anybody. And so this call to love our neighbour isn't just a call to love the people that we share a resemblance or a postcode with, but all of those that we move in close distance to, the people that we bypass in the street, the people that we walk past in the, in the aisles in Tesco or Lidl, the people that we are in the park with, the people that we share the, the shared path along the shore with. All of these people are our, are our neighbours. It's not just a call to love those that we share common interests with, but to love all people whom we share space and time with. Jesus teaches us more about the sense of what it means to be a neighbour by telling a story. A Jewish man is walking between Jerusalem and Jericho and is violently assaulted while on his journey. He's robbed, he's stripped and he's left for dead at the side of the road. Left in a state in which he'll never be able to reach the destination that he set out for. His journey to that place is, is ended. Take a moment and imagine the scene. If you were to walk past, what would you see? We're used to making judgments, aren't we? Or categorising people by what they wear, by how they look, um, by how they speak, all of these things. And all of these are useful terms which help us to describe distance. And they can be used to give us excuses not to get engaged. But this man has been stripped of everything that would allow us to label or categorise him. He's naked. All we would see 
is skin. And we, so we can't work out social standing, we can't work out anything about the man, we can't work out whether he's rich or poor, whether he's um, in our world, a drug addict, whether he's homeless, whether he's from a really nice house, you have no idea. And actually, if his hair was longer and he was face down, would you even know whether it was a man or a woman? This is a person without a label. We only know that the person is Jewish because Jesus tells us. And so for the other characters yet to enter this story, he is just flesh. That's all that they see, human, just like them. There's nothing about him to show how worthy he is to receive their help or their time or their care, their service. The choice to help then rests only with them and it rests on their ability to see, uh, to, to observe need. Um, the need of this fellow human being. That's all they're going to see, a fellow human being. And so it's about them being able to weigh up need and to decide whether or not it's worth stopping in their journey, pausing and getting to their destination to reach out to someone else. Because when it comes down to it, we are all just skin and bones, people in need, people on journeys, people with a destination. And so the motive to serve is love. A love that flows because we see the us in them. And so Jesus tells the story. A Jewish priest walks past, but when he sees him lying there, he crosses over to the other side of the road and passes the man by. Distance. Do you sense it? The priest saw him lying there. There's a word to describe that we... Um, there's a word that we use to describe something further away from us, something where there's distance involved, isn't it? So the priest doesn't even come close. The priest saw the Jew lying over there and chooses to cross over. There never becomes here. And I wonder if he passed by, did he, did he look or did he continue to avert his eyes from the detail? Because really ignorance is bliss isn't it? The less we're aware of, the less likely we are to serve. Because service requires the ability to see. Because if I can choose what to focus on, I can censor what my heart is moved by. It's something that we all do. We're all as guilty as the priest is in this story. How many times have you changed the TV channel um, when an advert for, some, you know, for the uh, Disasters Emergency Committee has come on? or something like that. How many times have you put the junk mail in the post from, um, from a charity asking for, for money? Our selfishness leads us to regulate what we label as junk. And yet God's asks, God asks us to see, to share one another's burdens. And to serve requires us to see. And until we do, the naked and the downtrodden and the robbed of this world will remain lining the roads of life. And so the body remains at the side of the road and another potential rescuer comes along the way. A temple worker, a Levite, a servant by reputation, usually a doer. Jesus tells us that unlike the priest, this man walks over to the man and looks at him lying there. He sees the Levite goes over and assesses the situation. He studies the details, probably evaluating the severity of the wounds um, and the man's condition. And 
he lets there become here. He closes the distance. There becomes here for this man. But he also makes a choice and decides, having looked and seen, to cross the road and to continue walking. He chooses not to serve. Jesus doesn't give us the, reasons, the reason why, but biblical scholars have said that the Levite is concerned about touching a dead body. And I suppose maybe the man does look dead. And in Jewish law, anyone who touched a corpse, anyone who touched a dead body was rendered ceremonially unclean. And, and so the man would incur seven days um, where he would have to, to wait uh, and purify himself. And so that would mean a seven day delay in getting to his destination. A seven day delay in meeting his agenda. And so this focus on self means that he too is unwilling to risk touching and helping the man. There's no ignorance in the temple worker's choice to move on. It's not that he hasn't seen, he has seen. Instead, he chooses, he, 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 he doesn't walk away with the full truth of the situation. He didn't put his, man, his hand, we're not told whether he put his hand down to the man's nose or rested his hand on the man's chest to see if he was still breathing. Because maybe that meant getting too close. He didn't want to risk delay in pursuit of the truth, did he? And so service then requires something more from us, doesn't it? It's not just enough to see, to actually make, to close up the distance between there and here. It actually requires something else of us. It requires us to make a connection. Real connection. Because a real connection allows the movement of others to find a symmetry in our own movement. To allow others to interrupt our agenda. That's what it means to get close. That's what it means to reach out. That's what it means to serve. That we will pause our journey in order to help another. What we need to do is to dwell with others, to come alongside, to move our step into step alongside theirs. Because how can we share one another's burdens unless we are walking in step with one another? The temple worker might have got close, but his mind had already reinforced the space and the distance between them by deciding that the man was untouchable, by putting a label on him. Do we sometimes avoid serving because we decide that our actions won't make a difference? That it's already too late? As soon as life starts to be about others, things get complicated, resources get stretched and time becomes tighter. Our own pace has to slow down, maybe even changing the course of our destination. It's simpler to keep things untouchable, isn't it? Sometimes the only way that we see the issues, though, are the times when we are ambushed in our own journey, when our own journey is literally interrupted by them and touched by that need. When it comes into our space, maybe a family member experiences cancer and then we begin to support a cancer charity. Or redundancy happens and we suddenly begin to see the real financial struggles that friends are experiencing. Perhaps a child is diagnosed with a condition, maybe autism spectrum disorder or something else. And our hearts are opened to the need for support uh, and friendship that families need. Or perhaps mental ill health comes knocking at our door and we suddenly discover how fragile we all are. But back to our story. There's another man walking along the road. All is not yet lost. A Samaritan. 
And if this were a pantomime, then this would be the point where the audience would be booing and hissing. Because Bible commentaries take, make much of the disdain in which Jews and Samaritans held one another. They didn't like one another. To a Jew, this Samaritan would be someone who struggled to love God with all of his mind, with all of his heart, with all of his strength. And so never mind love his neighbour. And yet it's this man that Jesus makes the hero of the story. It's the third man who is neither, if you remember these terms at the beginning for neighbour, perioikias, that person with a shared nationality or ethnicity. So he's not that type of neighbour. He's not Gaetan, a neighbour in the sense of living in the same street. Rather, it's Plisian. It's the person who is near, who shrinks the distance between there and here. It's the person who reaches down and makes the connection. This man sees the same as others before him. He sees the naked, hurt man. He takes in the situation, the man in his state. And then Jesus says, what makes all the difference is that this man feels pity. And that word pity in Greek is that sense of your guts being moved. A deep, deep emotion that moves your guts to do something. Love. It's love that makes the distance. Sorry, it's love that makes the difference. It's love that closes the gap. It's love that makes the connection. It's love that reaches down and touches and interrupts my journey with his journey. Love sees the opportunity. Love sees life where others saw death. Love caused empathy where others only evaluated. Love considered. Love moved closer. Love touched. Love served. Love chose to stop and make a difference to this man's condition, to this man's destination. Love was the difference between the Samaritan, between the Levite and between the priest. We often ask how we can serve God or what it means to love God. But what if the answer is all around us, staring us in the face? We human beings are all created with this inbuilt capacity to want the best, or to simply want what's right for someone other than ourselves. We make sacrifices, we spend money, we use our talents and our time all for the benefit of others. Human history is littered with examples of people who literally poured out their lives in the act of serving. We don't just need to look at our Bibles to see Jesus. We can look at our lives, look at our history, and we can think of Oscar Schindler, of Mother Teresa, of William Wilberforce. We admire them. Movies have been made about them. Sainthoods have been given to them. But we tend to think of them then as special. We think that we can't be like them because we are normal, everyday people. And yet, does it really take special abilities? No. All it needs is the capacity to love. Something that we are all born with. Surely a heart that loves people will always seek to serve the people it loves. Take parents, for example. Many of you are parents, I know you are. Don't children often have the best butlers, cleaners, personal shoppers, chefs, chauffeurs, life coaches, huggers, entertainers, even organisers? The list could go on, couldn't it? Out of a deep desire to want the best for those that we love we serve. 
For those of us who have children, we don't love them and serve them out of a need of gratitude and appreciation, though, do we? No. Nor do we hope for an eventual return from our investment either. We don't. It's purely because we love them. That's why we do things for them. That's why we lay our agendas down to make space for them. And so we choose to invest our journey in theirs. Perhaps we can think of love and service then as the small things. The things, the everyday things that we can all do that don't require major geographical relocation or our lifestyle, but only require a relocation of our heart. Service then, love is about closing the space. It's about moving the distance from there to here. It's about making a connection. It's about feeling pity. It's about having our innards moved to change something, to serve someone, to make someone else's life better. It's about interrupting our agenda with their agenda. And that can mean laying down our lives or it can mean lifting up the towel. Where might God be asking you to see need? Where might God be encouraging you to love and serve? Why not take some time as we listen to some music and think about where God might be prompting you to serve?
let us pray. Loving God, as we have journeyed with love, by love and for love, we now give you thanks. Gracious God, you so loved the world that you gave your only Son. And that same love which surrounds us is richer than we can imagine and knows no end. We pray today for all those who make choices and especially for those whose choices make a difference to many lives. In the light of your love, Lord, may all our choices be made. We keep in mind those living alone, COVID having taken away the routine and company. We give you thanks and look forward to the longed, hoped for easing of some restrictions in the weeks to come. We give you thanks for the lighter nights, the sound of the birds heralding the coming of spring and of new life. But we remember and hold before you those for whom the fading of light brings not only darkness, but sadness and discomfort. May they know your light and love. We remember and hold before you those for whom today will be tainted with sadness. We remember those working in the background in health and social care, the cleaners, porters and cooks who are physically and emotionally exhausted. The often overlooked retail staff, farmers and food growers and mechanics. The many people working in the third sector who have reached out in new ways to support an ever-growing population in need. We pray for those who are ill and suffering, for all who are worried, and for those who are grieving or experiencing trauma. Lord, may your voice be heard in each situation. And may those who are in need feel your presence and encouragement in their lives. Some are more fearful of what the future may bring. Some are struggling to come to terms with what they did not choose. And in moments of quietness, to you, God of love, we bring those whom we know and those known only to you, that they may feel assured of their worth and love through the overflowing of your love. Gracious God, for your church we pray, help us to reach out, to look at the big picture, to take risks in faith and to discover that you are by our side. Amen. 
ever-creating, ever-loving, ever-encouraging. And as we journey nearer to the cross, we offer you our deepest thanks. Encouraging God, present among us, you are with us in our gathering, as you are with us in our distancing. Hear our prayers and blend our voices together. Unite us in love as we join together in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We've come now to the end of our time together. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday and Vary is going to lead our worship for us. Uh, it's also the beginning of Holy Week and each evening during Holy Week at seven o'clock there will be a shared reflection so each of the ministers throughout the town are going to do one of the evenings throughout Holy Week and they'll all be online at 7pm and the, all of us will share each other's reflections. Uh, we, the Old Kirk, are um, sharing Thursday night with um, Filling Station and with um, uh, St Catherine's Church and so what we're doing is Willie who is um, the priest at St Catherine's Church will preach at filling station and then afterwards I'm going to lead communion and so there's an invitation a very warm invitation for you to join with that. Uh, each evening throughout the week there will be one of the usual uh, reflections a reflection at 7pm uh, and on Palm Sunday in the evening there will be a, a reading done by all of the pastors, ministers in the town uh, of um, Mark's passion, so the, the passion narrative from Mark's gospel. Uh, and they'll all be available on um, our Facebook page and probably on our website. I need to check that out, but definitely on our Facebook page. And so I invite you to join with them. Vary will also be around on Thursday between one and two for um, our afternoon uh, coffee uh, coffee and chat or tea and talk and there's a very warm invitation to that as well. If you need the joining details for that, it's on Zoom, so if you need the joining details for that then please do get in touch. <coughs> Excuse me. All that's left now for me to do is to wish you good um, farewell. And so as we go from this time and from this space and from this moment Go with, <coughs> excuse me, I've got flowers, <coughs> I think they're catching my throat. <coughs> Go with the love of God. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you. And with all whom you love, this day and forevermore. Amen.